0: Less than 24 hours ago in Belleville. We'll pull out all the cliches. Backs against the wall. The Belleville Bulls needed a win to send this series to a sixth game. 98 minutes of hockey later and the Belleville Bulls took a 3-2 decision from the Brampton Battalion. Goals were waved off at both ends of the ring. One from Cody Hodgson and then one from the Bulls' side as Thomas McCollum was interfered with. Tempers flared. But I'll tell you something, folks, this series is far from over. The Belleville Bulls win a 3-2, heart-stopping victory over the battalion in Belleville. Now it's game six from the bunker in the Powerade Center. Can the battalion close it out, or will the Bulls send it back home? Next on OHL Primetime, game number six.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode number five of the Let's Remember Some Sports podcast. I'm your host Lucas Montcari and Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. I'm joined today by the beat writer for Sue Greyhounds for Village Media Properties and a whole bunch of other junior hockey stuff all over the country. It is Brad Kochmilio. Brad, how are you on this start of the August long week? And we're on the Saturday of it as we record this. As I watch the Penguins win for Lafreniere here, this is outstanding work by them so far. Hopefully, they don't screw it up.
2: Yeah, no kidding. And just think, he could have been a Detroit Red Wing, but. No.
1: Hey, that... Gotta,
2: gotta give everyone else a chance to get the first pick.
1: But it provides better content for when we do the OHL Prospect episode of the Banksy Hockey Podcast, where you decide which OHL Prospect you want the Red Wings to take.
2: Where I decide that the Red Wings should, should try to take Jamie Drysdale or Quentin Byfield if he somehow manages to drop.
1: Instead, they will take Askarov just to get
2: screw-up everyone's mind. Yeah, around. just to throw everything right off.
1: Proud to select Caden Gooley. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, the year that you chose was 2009. I sent you a list of games, and in a shocking development, not really, you picked game six of the 2009 Eastern Conference Final for the Ontario Hockey League between the Belleville Bulls and the Brampton Battalion. I know why you picked this game, but tell the audience why you picked this game.
2: Well, I mean, you know what? It was a it was a funny thing just because I spent uh, I spent my college years in Belleville. I covered that. I covered a lot of that series. I believe I was at four out of the six games in that series because of um, college life and because of my internship in in Toronto with the Hockey News. So I was very close. I actually saw a chunk of Brampton's previous series in that playoff against uh, against Mississauga. Who were then known as the Mississauga St. Michael's Majors, the previous Toronto St. Michael's Majors, now the Mississauga Steel. No, yeah, Mississauga Steelheads. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Are you about
1: to call them Steelhawks? A... <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah, that was a that was a stretch. That was a, a real good three year run for Belleville. That was a. You know, a big year. Those were the two best teams in the Eastern Conference that year. Um, you know, it was it was a great series. I mean, like I said, I was at four games in that series, and um, you know, between Belleville and um, between Belleville and the Powerade Center in Brampton, and you know, a lot of fun to watch, a ton of talent, and. Um, yeah, I mean, you know what? That was uh, that was an easy choice for me, considering uh, you know, considering how much of the series I got to watch.
1: So let's set the scene a little bit. As I joked with Brad; this could be a forty-minute introduction before we even get to the game, because it's gonna be us talking about the yeah. NHL. Pray for the audience. So the Bulls. Yeah. We'll start with them first. They just won their third straight East Division title, of course, with Coach, with Coach jo- and GM George Burnett. They went forty-seven, seventeen, two, and two. The previous two seasons in two thousand and seventeen were second seed and lost to the, the sixth-seeded Sudbury Wolves in six games. Triple overtime win for Sudbury on home ice in their Cinderella run to league final. Trivia for Brad, who scored a triple overtime winning goal for the Wolves in that series? Was that Matt Diaz? It was Matt Diaz. The,
2: si- the Sioux boy, yeah.
1: It was. Then in 2008, Oshawa was their opponent in the conference finals. The Bulls laid a whipping to them, beating them in five games, including an 11 nothing romp in the final game of that series. We've proved yeah, that was... Go ahead.
2: That was um, that was something to watch. I mean, that was uh, you know that was an Oshawa team in that stretch too. That was you know there was some talent coming through. Um, you know, an an interesting group to watch. And yeah, that was uh, that was certainly something that you wouldn't have expected in a in a game of uh, of that magnitude.
1: That was the first time for the Bulls to reach the league final since 1999, when they won their only OHL championship in seven games over the London Knights. In the championship game, they faced the kit series, they faced the Kitchener Rangers, the Memorial Cup host that year. Kitchener was up three nothing in that series. The Rangers came roaring oh. back or Bulls came roaring back on the Rangers to force the seventh game. Kitchener would win on home ice and then Kitchener would then knock out Belleville in the Memorial Cup semifinal with a convincing nine nothing win.
2: Yeah, yeah. That was, um, you know, that was a great run that Bulls team. Um, you know, a lot of people had, uh, you know, had pretty much going into the series had pretty much penciled Kitchener in as as the OHL champs. Um, I, you know, a lot of people that had, you know, had been around the Bulls in the Eastern Conference that saw that team. You know, they knew that it was uh, it was a team that probably wasn't going to get walked over. Um, and then Kitchener jumps out to that that. Big lead in the series, and you know you figure all oh, well, it's over. And I mean, I, re- I remember even thinking in that series, it's you know, and, and it was nice for me because, especially during, even during the conference finals. Um, just the, with the way some of my time off while I was, uh, in school went, um, uh, you know, in terms of between that and my internship, I actually got to see a couple games in the, uh, in the Western conference series with Kitchener and the Sue Greyhounds that year. And I mean, it was, you know, it was one of those things that that Kitchener team was so good, but, um, you know, that Belleville team, that was, that was the year where they, you know, they truly loaded up the previous year. They had been real good, um, you know, and then, uh, and then that. That year was the year that they kind of, uh, you know, decided to go for it. And, um you know, again, a, a real fun team to watch, a team that you couldn't write off by any stretch of the imagination. And, you know, they earned that uh, even though they get into into the Memorial Cup as, um, you know, Kitchener is the host that year. I mean, that was, a, that was a, you know, a Bulls team that, that earned that spot. I mean, that, they weren't getting in just for the sake of, oh, well, the OHL needs a second rep. That was a team that did earn that spot.
1: When it comes to this 2008-2019, their leading score was Eric Tangradi with 88 points in 55 games. Netminder Mike Murphy won a second straight OHL Goaltender of the Year award, but would go on to win the CHL Goaltender of the Year as well. Three players on their team were at the Royal Juniors. The aforementioned Tangradi, P.K. Subban for Canada, and Phil Gruerauer for Germany. One player from this Bulls roster would get drafted in the NHL from that in 2009. That would be Andy Bathgate at 151 yep. for the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's time to remember and not some... That,
2: th- and not that Andy
1: Bathgate. I was going to say, not that one. Too old for this league. All right, Brad, it's time to remember some trades. Um, we'll go through, I'll go through the trades here, and some of these, I'm not exactly sure where some of them and how they ended up on some of the other teams, so they might be wrong, but it's, to the best of my knowledge, attempting to guess some of these trades. Anyway. Right. So, in order, September 29th, Michael Neal to Sarnia for a 5th in 2009. Sarnia keeps the pick, ends up being JC Campania. October 22nd, Stephen Blundin to Ottawa for a 7th in 2009, ends up being Matt Mose, Josh Mose's brother.
2: Ooh. Mm. November- Little Marie content in that one.
1: Yep, November twenty-first, the first big trade by the Bulls: Nick Palmieri from Erie for a third-round pick, which ends up in Windsor and becomes Steven Trojanovich. and a seventh, Matt Wildman in two thousand nine. December sixteenth, Brandon, I'm gonna butcher this. Is it Machinter? Mashenter? you know
2: what and and that's the funny thing is i heard <laughs> I, I i and i remember that year there was a few different pronunciations of it uh i i always went with mashinter um but i mean i i i don't know that uh at this rate I don't know that there was a wrong pronunciation. I think like I said there was a there was a few and that turned out that and the Palmieri deal, um you know, that Palmieri deal and we'll talk about him during the like during the game stuff itself, but you know, he was great in that playoff run for the Bulls that year as well. Those were those were two deals and Mashinter was a guy who had played on the Kitchener team the year before. Um, that ended up uh, that ended up going on a run and and you know having a you know having an absolutely outstanding year. So that was a ton of experience in that deal as well.
1: In that deal, uh, along with so going from Kitchener uh, with a second in 2010, more on that pick shortly, and a fourth in 2009. Those were dealt or acquired by Belleville, going to the Rangers. Tyler Randall. Then on January 7th, is yep. very excited. Luke Pither from the Guelph storm for Kitchener's second round pick in 2010 which we just talked about Windsor ends up being that pick and takes Michael Clark.
2: Yeah, and the the, the Luke Pither deal, I mean that was that was one that I, I remember talking to George Burnett at the time and um, you know when that deal got made, it was one of those things where, I mean, guys say this all the time, you know, fairly often in major junior. But that was a guy that, uh, you know, that was a guy that George Burnett wanted to draft him when he was coming into the OHL, and I remember, I remember him saying that, uh, you know, in so, in some post deal uh, media dealings, and um, that was a guy that George Burnett really liked a lot, and um, you know, I can't blame him. I mean, Luke Pither was was absolutely outstanding for that team. And that was, you know, like I said earlier, that was a team that had loaded up the year before, so they didn't have um, necessarily a ton of assets to make a move. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about it, I'm sure, later. But in the post-game presser, he talked about the idea that Um, early on in the year that team wasn't sure if they were gonna if they were gonna make the moves to try to make a run Um, you know there were some questions in that but this this move really solidified that team going forward and especially considering how much they had lost from the year before and um, you know Sean Mathias, Matt Bolesky, um, Adam Perry had I believe 80 points the year before for them coming over from uh, I believe it was London too Yan yeah, Mursak was uh, was brought in in a deal with Saginaw. and Nigel Williams. Those two guys were real big for them the year before. So this was a team that needed to add and needed to kind of load up. So getting getting these three guys, especially up front, considering the offense they had lost was was massive.
1: As for the battalion, they just won their second straight Central Division title, 47-19, 1-1 with coach and GM Stan Butler. The previous season, they lost to the Barry Colts in five games, uh, and this is a team that never made it to the conference final. Uh, in their previous closest attempts in 2001, they lost in five games to the Erie Otters in the Western Conference. Uh, 5 4 in that final game, Jay Harrison tied the game with 113 left, and Brad Boys won it with three seconds to go. They then lost to the Toronto St. Michael's Majors and then the Mississauga St. Michael's Majors in 03 and 04, and then the Barry Colts in 06. That 08 series, by the way, that was the first round of seven upsetting at two back in 2008.
2: Yeah, I, you know, and it's uh, again Stan Butler. One of the things that that stood out for me from him his post game presser. Someone asked him about uh, you know the idea that they finally had kind of got the monkey off their back and got through to a conference final and going to a league final, and um, you know he said that just shows how hard it really is to uh, to get to that point. And um, you know, let's face it, not a lot of teams have uh, have that opportunity. There are a lot of teams that have gone a long time without. Uh, Without being able to get there, and it, you know, it, it was a credit to that uh, to that Brampton team. They were very good on home ice, and they took advantage of it and got themselves to uh, to a league final.
1: It's like the O is a good league or something. Anyway, the yeah, 8 no 09, the 08, 09 season uh, leading scorer was Cody Hodgson, ninety two points, fifty three games. Hodgson was OHL and CHL Player of the Year. Kenny Gratchev is Rookie of the Year. That led to an eventual change of how the Rookie of the Year works in the OHL because All right. <laughs> he was like the last year in the league eligible guy. Um, world Junior talent, Gratchev was there. Cody Hodgson had 16 points in six games to lead tournament for Canada. John Tavares had 15 points in six games with to tournament MVP. Guys that were drafted that year, Matt Duchesne, third overall to the Colorado Avalanche, and Matt Clark, 37 overall to the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to remember some more trades. Brampton made a lot of trades, especially late in the trade yep. season. Uh, October 23rd, Chris Beauchamp to Sarnia for a fifth in 2012. That fifth, Nick Paul. <laughs> that worked out yeah, okay. Yeah,
2: some, some would say that turned out okay.
1: Derek, I'm going to butcher this. Gregorsak? Gregorkak? How do, you, how do you say that? He didn't play in the games. So this is the only time he's going to get mentioned here. So
2: Yeah, and, and, and you know what? And it was funny, because he was an 89 birth year, and I had to look that up, because um, I, I remembered his name slightly. But yeah, I mean, you talk about a guy who didn't see much ice. um, He probably saw the least ice in the entire series out of either team. Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Derek Gregorak. um, I think that's how you say it. Mm yeah, I, I mean, an interesting deal for a guy who, um, you know, like you said, didn't play uh, didn't play much and, and didn't see a lot of ice in the series.
1: And it's a free agent pickup, too, from Bray Piro. So it wasn't like they got him, like, had to do a waiver claim and trade a 15-round pick or anything like that.
2: But anyway. Right.
1: We got lots of Greyhounds connections coming up here. A pair yep. of trades to Niagara. Josh Day from Niagara for Michael Hassan Chop. That's for Grant and Brett. <laughs> uh, and a third in 2009, Andrew Fritsch.
2: Which turned out, uh, you know, talk about a guy who had a good career in the league, right? He's, uh, you know, he turned into a veteran guy, had a couple, uh, had a good stretch with the Greyhounds as well.
1: Uh, also, Andrew Merritt from Niagara for 5th in 2011. That ended up in London, who take a Subban, Marcello Subban. Uh, January 8th, we're starting to get the big ones here. On the 8th, Matt Kang from Kingston for the rights to John Hughes, former first overall yep. pick, who's playing for EC Salzburg at a time, and a 4th in 2010. That ends up going to Barry becomes Devin Shore, then two deals on January 9th. Anthony Peluso from the Sioux Greyhounds for Kyle DeCoste and a fifth in 2012, which turned out to be Ryan Manfa, and Thomas McCollum, world junior goaltender for the United States from Guelph for Brandon Foot, Josh Shala, a second in 2010, which turns into Scott Kosmichuk, and a yeah. 2011 second-round pick, which ends up in London and ends up being goaltender Ian Jenkins, who unfortunately passed away after an accident shortly after that draft. So actually, three big trades there to get Kang, Peluso, and McCollum on the roster.
2: Yeah, and I mean, it, it, it's funny. Like Anthony Peluso is a guy who. Um, you know, you, you call him the Cy Young guy just because he's a guy who put up uh, he put up good goal numbers and his his assist totals not quite as high. Um, but you know, he was a guy. He was a physical presence. He played uh, he played on the a lot on the top line in this series with Cody Hodgson and Evgeny Grachev, Matt Kang again a guy who had been around the league for a while at that point. And um, you know, he was uh, I believe he was an OA that year as well. And Josh Day as well. I mean, that's you know it's a kid you bring in as. Uh, you know, as an OA guy and, um, you know, to kind of solidify things. That was a good deal. And, you know, Thomas McCollum, talk about shoring up uh, a, a goaltending tandem there. and um, the great thing for for Brampton at that point was they had Patrick Colleen who was uh, Pittsburgh Penguins prospect as their,
3: Woo,
1: goal as, their, in the future. as their
2: as their backup that year and um, you know those were two guys that were a year apart so that was some good experience for him going into uh, going into the following year as well so um, I mean, you know what great job by them and that was a team that uh, you know they graduated Corey Emerton the year before, uh, Bobby Sanguinetti the year before um, talk about goaltending Brian Pitton was their starter the year before, I believe, as well, and he had graduated. So, you know, that was a team that needed to shore up a few places. And, um, you know, teams always talk about making the right deals going into the deadline. You hear a lot of that these days. And, um, you know, to me, those, you know, those four guys, McCollum, Kang, Peluso, and Day were were absolutely massive and, and huge reasons why, um, you know, huge reasons why Brampton got as far as they did in the playoffs. You hey,
1: look at both teams, they're a pretty darn good goaltending teams. We talk about Bramptons, and obviously you look at Belleville, obviously Murphy's in beast mode, Mike Murphy at this point, but Philip Grubauer is a good backup option to have as well.
2: Yeah, and, and you know what? That was, a, you know, that was a great stretch for them. Um, you know, as far as goaltenders were concerned, uh, you know, when I got down there, it was the, um, you know, it was the, it was the oh six oh seven year it was my first full year down there, and it was, you know, Kevin Lalonde was a starter, and he was, um, you know, he was a guy who it you know, was a veteran guy, had a great year. He gets hurt at Christmas time. He actually fought. Uh, he actually got into a fight. Um, well, I was back at home for Christmas, so of course I missed the goalie fight. But <laughs> um, he got into a fight with uh, with a kid from Erie, Jonathan Laniel, which is actually let's
1: remember so, some guys. Like, you know. Yeah,
2: so it was it was it was two French goaltenders, and they um, you know they went at it, and, and um, Lalonde end, uh, ends up breaking his hand in that fight, and and so Belleville, you know, I, I believe Murphy came in for a couple of games. Ed Pasquale, who uh, went on to play pro was with the team for, for a bit and you know like you said this was kind of Mike Murphy's time to shine um, was this playoff run and um, you know he was a guy over a couple of years who was great and then you know and then Grubauer was real solid for them uh, as well the following year and then ends up uh, eventually ending up in, in Windsor through trade and uh, you know goes on to have a you know a big stretch there as well so like their goaltending stretch there was about a, a four or five year stretch give or take that you know their goaltending was was absolutely outstanding.
1: So Eastern Conference playoffs, the Bulls end up with the first overall seed over Brampton by two games. The Bulls won the first round series in six over Sudbury and then in five over Niagara. Niagara six to upset third seed Ottawa in seven. Andrew Agazino scoring 13 seconds in the game seven's overtime to win that series. Two overtime games in the Bulls and Ice Dog series games one and two. Luke Pither and PK Subban the heroes in those ones. Uh, any thoughts on? or memories or notes you have from those first two bowl series, if any.
2: Yeah. You know what? I mean, that was, uh, you know, that was a good start uh, obviously for them. Um, You know, it wasn't uh, the thing for them is it wasn't, it wasn't easy. But it was it was two series that you know didn't necessarily they didn't come out of either of those series banged up either, um, which was which was relatively important at that point, right? It's uh, you know that's the whole that's the whole hope of going through the OHL playoffs. You look at teams that win as they come through it relatively unscathed by the time they get to uh, the conference final and the league final, and for uh, for Belleville and you know Brampton as well. Both teams got through the first two rounds of the playoffs and, you know, didn't really have any major injuries. Um, You know, that Ottawa loss in, you know, early on there in the the opening round to, to Niagara, that that was big. I mean, that was a good Ottawa group as well. They had Logan Couture on that team, who had a uh, you know a real big year. That was a that was a real good Ottawa group around that stretch. Jamie McGinn was on that group. Uh, their blue line was real good. Um, you know, so that's uh, that kind of did that that almost did both Brampton and Belleville a bit of a favor because you know that knocks out probably one of the biggest threats. No disrespect to Mississauga at that time, but Ottawa's probably the biggest threat to. Belleville and Brampton coming out of the Eastern Conference in that uh, in that run, so um, Niagara kind of doing both teams a favor and, and making life a little easier going
1: through uh, going through that conference semifinal round in round two. And something I forgot—that was Brian Kilroy's final full season for Ottawa too.
2: It was, um, you know, it's a lot of fun stories about him. I've heard a lot of great <laughs> stories about him. He. Um, yeah, he was—he's a, a great guy. I mean, we were fortunate—you know—we've been fortunate that you know he's still—he's still around the league, and you know he, he stayed around and, um, you know, has done things, you know, and has been involved in different things. So it's—it's it's good to have a guy like him around the league, and, um, uh, you know, the league is—the uh, league is a better place with guys like Brian Kilray around. That's for sure.
1: As for the Battalion, he swept the Pete's game 2 overtime winner for Anthony Peluso and then one in six over Mississauga. Uh, in game four, that was a win in overtime for Mississauga. Gradually, have a tidy game, 35 seconds left. Then William Wallen, the overtime hero there. Mississauga had won their first round series in five over Barry. Games four and five were both overtime affairs. Darren Archibald had won to keep Barry's playoffs hopes alive. Then Devontae Smith, Pelley, a triple overtime winner for the majors. Of note, Niagara and Sudbury one point ahead of Oshawa, who would obviously trade away that Tavares kid, to make the yep. playoffs. Kingston were 13 points back.
2: Yeah, and that and the interesting thing about that Brampton Mississauga series probably, probably the closest road trip for a playoff series in OHL history. Mm-hmm. Um, considering those rinks are, and this isn't even any stretch or any joke, those two rinks, the Powerade Center and what was at that time known as the Hershey Center in Mississauga, those two rinks, parking lot to parking lot, were I think just barely under ten minutes apart. You literally come out of the parking lot of one, onto a main street, drive about eight minutes, make a turn, make another turn, and you're in the parking lot for the other. So, probably the shortest road trip for a playoff series ever.
1: So, how's the Western Conference going? You might ask. I'm glad you asked. It's all chalk so far. Of note, Kitchener was ten points back in the playoffs after winning Memorial Cup or winning UHL title as Memorial Cup host, and then losing to Spokane, who broke the trophy in the Memorial Cup final. Uh, so ten points back of Owen Sound for the last playoff spot, the Sioux Greyhounds were 25 points back.
2: Damn yeah, it. that was uh, <laughs> that was an
1: interesting year. Damn it, cousins. Um, <laughs> First round: Windsor sweeps Owen Sound, London five over Erie, Saginaw in four over Guelph. Games one and three double overtime wins for the Spirit, Jack Combs and T.J. Brody. And then Plymouth in five over Sarnia. Game two overtime hero Matt Carey off a hat trick. Windsor then beat Plymouth in six, London in four over Saginaw. So that's where we got going into the Western Conference Final. And now it's time to talk about my favorite playoff series ever in the OHL. Windsor, five games over London. Every game went to overtime. Spitfires reached the final for the first time since winning it all in 1988 as the Compuette Spitfires. The close they had been since then, five-game loss to Erie in 2002. Of those games, 4-3 in Windsor. The start-off series, Ryan Ellis, overtime hero, two goals and an assist. 6-5 London game two at the John Labatt Center at the time. Phil Veroni, the, the overtime <laughs> hero. John Carlson, two goals and an assist. Um, then we have game three, which was won by the Windsor Spitfires. Eric Wellwood, I almost was going to say Kyle for a second. I'm like, no. Yep. No. <laughs> ben Shutron Sorry, t- Lucas. Wrong Wellwood. Um, ben Shutron ties it with 151 to go. Ryan Ellis, two assists. John Tavares, one goal and two assists in that one for the london knight still shows weird are as london knight anyway um game f- uh, game four in london 5-4 windsor andre loxianov the overtime hero dale mitchell goal and two assists and then eric wellwood again the overtime hero is Windsor wins the series game five uh ryan ellis with two assists in that game fun fact that series is the first time i ever heard mike Stubbs call a game and obviously yep. with Stubbs calling overtime like a maniac i'm like oh this guy's entertaining <laughs>
2: Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, Mike is uh, Mike is certainly one of the best in uh, in junior hockey. So, you know, there are a few guys that uh, the few guys that call a game with as much emotion as he does. And um, my favorite moment with him was a few years ago here in the Sioux, and um, he had gone to commercial. There was a break, and he had gone to commercial. And I've told the story to a few people. Um, he had gone to commercial break. And the commercial, I, I don't know if it ran long or if the or if the break in the rink was quick. London basically scores off the face off. So he comes back, and the players have already gone through their flyby at the bench. And are getting ready to go to center ice, and then all of a sudden, out of the blue, you hear Mike do his goal call. And anyone that's heard Mike call, yeah, and anyone that's heard Mike call a game, he's, you know, he's very boisterous, and which is a great thing. So we're all in the press box, and I remember looking over at him at one point, and he's calling the goal. And so I believe at that time Jim Van Horn had was doing color for him. So Jim's talking, and Mike looks over at me, and he mumbles the words, "I was in commercial." So he was in commercial break when the goal happened. So his goal call came probably, I don't know, I I want to say eight or ten seconds after the actual goal, and it wouldn't have been had it not been so quiet in the building, no one would have noticed. But it was. uh, It's also funny. Yeah, it's also Mike. Yeah, we had uh I had a good laugh about that, that time. That was uh that was a lot of fun. But like you said, a, a great uh you know, great junior hockey broadcaster for sure.
1: We can talk about Mike for forty minutes, we don't have the time. So on the playoffs that year again it was all chalk and then like I said, I mean we talked about this off microphone, but if there's any games they want on YouTube, it's that entire series of two thousand and nine between Windsor and London.
2: Oh, no question. And I mean that's uh you know, like you said, for for a, a series that only went five games, it's, you know it was a lot of fun to watch. And I mean, the Western Conference as a whole that year, I mean, aside from the aside from the between Windsor and Plymouth, I mean, everything else was pretty quick. Um, I mean, even the league final was you know was relatively quick. So like the the Western Conference teams that year, um, it was relatively easy.
1: So the Eastern Conference, I'm going to go through each of the games here. If you have any notes here, let me know. Game one right. was in Belleville. Brampton wins 4-2. Matt Kang, two goals. P.K. Subban, two goals.
2: Yeah, you know, obviously a huge start, that game being in Belleville. And, um, you know, that was – both teams were really good on home ice. So that was uh, – you know, I mean, it's funny. They talked about it on the broadcast itself, that that might have been the difference in the series in a sense because um, – you know Brampton ends up winning every other their other three wins all came on home ice so for them to steal a game in Belleville was absolutely massive
1: game two a convincing 7-2 win for Brampton Gratchett with two goals and assists not a good night for Mike Murphy though three goals on seven shots in three minutes and 38 seconds including two goals in 42 seconds
2: yeah, I mean, you know, a, a great start to that game for for Brampton. And obviously, you know, in that time in the uh, in that time in the playoffs, that's absolutely, uh, you know, that's absolutely massive. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, you look at that team. They were uh, they were up big at the end of the first period, and it's basically from that point, it's cruise control the rest of the night.
1: Game three back in Belleville, the Bulls get on the board with a six-two win. Kyle Palmieri with a. Uh, three Kyle Palmieri. Brad, I got great news for you. (laughs) Yeah. Are you sure, Lucas? (laughs) There is some role corruption taking place in the Belleville Bulls team at that point. Anyway, (laughs) Nick Palmieri, three goals and two assists. His second hat-trick at the playoffs. His other came in a 5-2 series clincher over Niagara. And obviously, Palmieri goes off in this series. especially We'll get to that in a little bit, especially in the game as well. But this is part of it right here.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was, you know, it, it's safe to say he was Belleville's best player in the in the series. And, um, you know, this was, uh, that was just a sign of, of things to come through the rest of the series from him.
1: Who had Kyle Palmieri's junior rights? More on that in a minute. Um, <laughs> game four was back in Brampton. Scott Tansky with two goals and an assist as the Battalion take a 3-1 series lead with a 4-3 triumph on home ice.
2: Yeah, and and you know what, uh, you know that's a that's a different one where it was a, uh, you know, a real good finish where early on in the series, like you look at game, you know, the early games, they, you know, Brampton jumps out to a real good start where this was the one where they were down to nothing at one point, I believe in that game, and um, you know, end up. Uh, you know, end up putting putting together a real solid, you know, specifically a real solid final 20 minutes to come out of uh, to come out of that uh, that game with a win.
1: Kyle Palmieri, by the way, was a six-round pick by Guelph in 2008.
2: Ooh, so he would have been, he could have conceivably played in the league at the same
1: time. Yeah, it would have been his rookie year. Uh, previous yep. night, April 23rd, this game that we're talking about tonight took place on April 24th. Belville with a huge 3-2 double overtime win on home ice. Murray the hero, Subban three assists, Murphy 54 saves, a big story though, it's yeah. what you talk about during this broadcast, season ends for yeah. Eric Tangrady.
2: Yeah, and that was, you know, that was massive, I mean, that's, uh, you know, he was a guy that, uh, you know, come in and, and you know, had, had, you know, been a real important piece for them in his career in Belleville, and, you know, he was a leader on that group, and, and you know, this group specifically, and, you know, it was a, he was a guy that could have made a huge difference in, in game six as well, so, um, you know, he misses game, uh, he misses game six due to a laceration, and, you know, like you said, they had talked about it on the broadcast about him, you know, potentially, he was a Penguins prospect at that time, and, um, you know, they were talking about him going to see doctors with, with the Penguins to, to get looked at, and, you know, like they said, it was an unfortunate way for, you know, for a kid who had been in a um, Massive part of that team. It was an unfortunate way for his season to end.
1: All right, Brad. It's time to remember Q and Dub guys. Here's where things end in those leagues.
2: <laughs> On the
1: same night as this game is taking place, Shawinigan, the fifth seed, wins Game Five in Quebec, six to one. Who's the three seed? Shawinigan off the Q final for the first time since 1971. Shawinigan would end up losing to Drummondville in seven games. the top seed would go to the Mem Cup that year, which is in Rimouski. Who Drummondville swept right. in the semifinal round. WHL, no games. Calgary had already swept Brandon to 1-3 in the Eastern Conference. Over in the West, Vancouver to 1-seater seed are tied with Kelowna to 3-seed at two games apiece. April 25th, Kelowna wins 1-0 in Vancouver. Mark Guggenberger with 25 saves, shut out, his second straight in that series. And then what Michael Backman, overtime winner, his only hat-trick in the WHL, to give Kelowna a 5-4 win in overtime. Kelowna then wins the WHL title in six games over Calgary. Overtime hero Tyson Barry. The Rockets, a 47-win team that season beat a 57-win team in the Giants and a 59-win team in Calgary to win the championship.
2: Yeah, it's crazy to think, right? You have to go on one heck of a run to uh, to be able to knock off teams like that. That's for sure.
1: And that's back in the old days where the new conference setup, where you have 57-win <laughs> teams playing in round one, like South in China. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Finally, we get to the game itself. Some quick notes here. Uh, Mark Heron is our in-studio host. Doug Anderson and Scott Hart are your play-by-play team. Also, uh, Gurdip Alawalia, now working with CP24 and occasionally on TSN, is our roving reporter. Yep. He makes a cameo later. Um, also, the Rogers down, 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 riff appears, which I was very excited about. I haven't heard yep. that in years. There are players to watch. Nick Palmieri, 12 goals and 3 assists. He's going for Desai Young. And then Evgeny Grachev on an 8-point streak. We mentioned Tank Grady not playing, also not playing, Dylan Goddard and Andy Bathgate for Brampton. Kyle Pereira, Cameron Wynn, boo, and Dredger <laughs> Gorchak.
2: Yeah, you know, it was, uh, again, it was, you know what, for me it was fun watching it because it's, you know, like I said, I had spent you know this was the last of my three years covering that team. Um, you know, pretty extensively. I had a great working relationship. Uh, you know, even as a, as a college student, I had a great working relationship with that group, and um, you know, I had a lot of good uh, you know I had a lot of good relationships with the with the players in terms of interviews and stuff. So it was fun to it was fun to go back and and watch this group and um, watch some of these games and like I said, watch games of guys that you know I spent the better part of three years covering pretty regularly
1: well it's taking us 30 minutes we're finally gonna start talking about this damn game (laughs) early on it's Brampton comes out flying um Murphy flashes a letter early on Grachev Kang has a chance and close and misses and as we're sending our thoughts and prayers to Eric Tanker 80 this happens
0: Uh, a real nice kid and a kid that deserves a lot better than the way it has finished for him out in front Jason Dale Berries went for the battalion, they lead
3: it, 1-0 in the slot. And you mentioned it off the top, Doug, the noise in this building, we haven't heard anything like it all year. And Jason Dale gets the home side off to of the strong start, less than four minutes in, in the slot, untouched. The one-timer snaps it by McCollum, great work by Thomas Stage and along the wall. Out battles of a Belleville Bulls defender to set up Jason Dale on a beautiful pass play. And the battalion, the start they're looking for, Douglas. 1-0 early on.
1: So Jason Dale, one times the feed from Thomas Dajan. Dale second of the playoffs, Stephen forward with the assist at 355 into the game. Battalion already up 1-0.
2: Yeah, and, and you know what we talked. Uh, you know, we talked in the intro about how important starts were for for Brampton in the series, and you know, again, this was one. Uh, this was one that they needed. Every you know, every win they had in the series pretty much was uh, you know was a game where uh, where they got off to a good start. Aside from uh, aside from, I believe it was game four. Um, you know, this was a team that if they started well, they were in good position. Um, and with this Belleville group, they needed to get out to uh, get out to an early lead in, in order to, you know, make life difficult and force Belleville to have to push to get back in the game.
1: Then we get a fight between Steven Johnson and Sam Carrick. You love to see it. Well, maybe not with David Branch, but in general, <laughs> you do love to see it. Also, every time P.K. Subin touches the puck,
2: boo Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> P.K. was P.K. was P.K. even in junior. <laughs> Breaking.
1: Um... As the period goes, the first half of the period goes on. Uh, the Bulls, it's a lot of chances from the battalion. Uh, we have a couple yep. of power plays here. Uh, Pajot's called for tripping on Thorn. Gradual point shot to stop by Murphy. Kang has a nice chance halfway through the period. There's a kick save by Murphy. Then uh, Bell with the first real good chances. Machinic with three chances stopped by McCall Tanaka before yep. him. Cross checks are called on Albert and Tansky. A five on three power play for the Bulls, Eleven thirteen. Lots of passing, but the Bulls don't do much. Then Luke Pithers apparently called for tripping. <laughs> Even the <laughs> booth were like, um, okay, it looks sure. worse on the replay, but real time, like, oh my god.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, there were a couple of interesting, uh, and like, both ways, there were a couple of interesting calls in that one that, uh, in the game that just kind of left you looking and thinking, um, sure,
1: By the yeah, way, we
2: sh- can go with that maybe?
1: Shout out, is everyone else at this point are doing the replay, shout out to the Mandarin for being the sponsor for this broadcast.
2: Right? How many times does the Mandarin logo pop up on screens during this broadcast? Like, I I might actually go back and count it, because it must have showed up, like, 30 or 40 times in the game.
1: I was going to say, if you're not from Ontario, you're probably like, what the heck is the Mandarin? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so the Bulls are uh, on the penalty kill here, and then this happens.
0: Over, Paluso out to the front of the net, and right there to take it away and whistle it around the glass is Luke Judson, but it doesn't come out. As Josh Day gets over to help out. Paluso, from the side of the net, takes it in the states. Lost control of it. Paluso trying to get away from Subin. Back to the point. Option today, His shot to the front of the Hits a body, they score! Matt Duchesne on the power play! 14 seconds
3: left in the building to Luke Pipper, the battalion take a 2 0 lead.
1: Josh Day's shot goes off of PK Subin, ends up right on Matt Duchesne's stick. That's not what you want. Duchesne was eleven for the playoffs, Dane Hodgson with the assist, fourteen forty seven on the power play, it's two nothing Brampton.
2: And the biggest thing there was the fact that um, you know, and they talked about it on the broadcast itself, but Brampton's power play had really struggled for a stretch. Uh, I think it was, the was the like two for
1: twenty one or something ridiculous like that going into yeah, two for twenty eight. I mean it's, that's even worse than what I thought it was.
2: Well, and, and that's just it, right? So you know, for them to get a for them to get a power play goal in the first period was absolutely massive, and you know it'll come up later too that they get another one later in the game, and um, you know I, again absolutely massive to that point, and to get a, a two nothing lead, and um, you know with the Belleville team in terms of how much offense they still had left with you know with guys like Pither and Cameron, and you know how good Palmieri was, and um, you know even with Radio, this is a team. That was still good offensively so to have a you know to have a 2-0 lead in the first period was huge
1: we also get a trivia question after this what's the longest game in battalion history it was the night before so I hope you got that right <laughs> battalion with two more good chances for the end of the period Grachev goes through the crease the shot goes through the crease in the back end then just has this tremendous rush down the wing feeds it over to yep. Thorn, but he can't convert that ends the period Two nothing Brampton shots 13-9 Belva, which surprised me a little bit because it's a lot of the things we talk about here. Other than those three Machinter chances, it's all Brampton with the really good chances.
2: Yeah, and that and that's the thing, right? I mean, that's that's where. You know, sometimes the shot totals and the rank can be deceiving a little bit, and uh, you know this is the case there, where you know you could easily say if you just look at the shot totals, you think, well, maybe it's a little bad luck on the Belleville side, and you know that's that's not the case at all. That was a really good period for Brampton, and uh, you know a real tough one if you're uh, if you're the Belleville Bulls.
1: We also get our interviews in between here. We have some nice Bulls content for Brad with Sean Lalonde, Sean Lalonde, yep. whatever you want to call him. And then, Sean
2: Beauchamp alone, as he was known uh, when he was drafted into the league.
1: And then, we have a Jim Sandlack cameo.
2: Yeah, that was that was a great interview.
1: Um, the scout for the Anaheim Ducks, which ends up being pretty cool, as they end up drafting Clark from the battalion. And they're talking about Duchesne. He goes, well, he's got first gear, second gear, third gear, then warp
2: speed. Yeah, <laughs> that, might the, uh, that might have been the best quote of that interview. Uh,
1: so we go to the second period. Paul Murray wanders through early. Nothing happens there. Murphy makes this ridiculous pad save on Kang. Just throws the right leg
0: out. And then this happens. Johnson to the side of the net. McCollum with the save of the zone. Rebound. Puck is down. They score. Brandon Maschiner.
1: It's 2-1. You hear them say on the audio, it's Johnson on the rush. It's not. It's Emo Ontario's Luke Judson coming down. He's stopped. There's a ballast side of the net. Uh, Tanaka's involved in that. Mashinter's wide open. He scores a seven of the playoffs. Judson, Corey Tanaka with the assist at 115. It's a 2-1 game.
2: Yeah, and and you know, talk about uh, talk about a massive point in that hockey game. Uh, you know, obviously Belleville down a pair after one. Um, you know, you needed to you needed to come out in the second period with a with a good start to the period, and you know this was the way to do it. You don't you obviously don't want to give up the chance at one end, but um, you know the fact that uh, you know you've got a kid like Murphy who's going to make that big save for you in, in a lot of cases. And I mean, how often do you see it where you know at one end a goalie? May Makes a big save and his team goes right down and, you know, on the same shift and scores at the other end. And, you know, again, it, uh, you know, it makes this game a little more manageable for the Belleville Bulls.
1: Around this point and for the next few minutes of this period, P.K. Subban and Anthony Peluso are exchanging their summer plans. Eventually, Peluso gets called for hooking and roughing on the same play. I'm not sure how he got both, but sure. Right.
2: Yeah, again, that was one where you looked at it and you're like, Okay.
1: (laughs) that's five forty-six mark of the period. Off the face-off, Scott Tansky gets a puck just raced up the ice, finds new Shane for a backhander, just misses this side. Cameron is called for hooking. There goes that pal price <laughs> six minutes. Yep. Tour on four for a bit. The Bulls power play resumes. The announcing mentions at that point that I would advise against Paul Mary doing the Alex Ovechkin hot goal stick celebration. Yep. Big true. <laughs> PK Summon then as a solo effort. Um, but that gets closed up and trying to end-to-end rush. And then, a couple seconds later, we have this. <laughs> you, that is something, I'll
3: tell you what. But hey, in an instance where your season's on the line, you certainly want your go-to guys, your veterans, your best players. And that's certainly what George Burnett did. I had the faith in those guys and they ended up coming through with a double overtime win.
0: Here's a break. Palmieri right out in front, goes to the back, and he scores! Nick Palmieri tying the game!
1: PK waits. Moves up a little bit, then kind of lobs it up, ends up on Paul Mary's stick of a breakaway goal, his 13th, Subban and Mike Murphy with an assist on the play. Yep. 934 into the period. It's now a 2-2 game.
2: Yeah, you know, and we talked about it earlier. I mean, that's uh, you know, that's a Belleville team that's, you know, they were tough to stop when they got rolling and we saw that a little bit in this one where, you know, once they got a little bit of confidence, they started playing a little better, got a couple opportunities and, you know, getting that early goal in the second period was huge and um you know, uh, a team that, you know, once they got settled in, they, uh, you know, they looked real solid. And, um, you know, again, getting back in the game, uh, you know, at this point was massive because you still got a, a ton of hockey game left.
1: Right on, about a minute after that goal, Steven Johnson trips Thomas Station off the faceoff. That's not allowed, apparently. No matter for the Bulls, though, well, that gets killed off. And that allows the Bulls to do
0: this a few minutes later. Subin, pick or Canton rather, pitches up. Canton puts it behind the net. Erickson goes hat trick for the battalion he's able to turn along the boards but Pajot gets it back to the front of the net backhand they score Nick Palmieri finishes off the natural hat trick
1: Brampton can't clear the puck the puck ends up on Palmieri in the slot who backhands it through by McCollum and it's now a 3-2 game the announcers are going it's a hat trick for Palmieri the natural one Michinter's like am I a joke to you? I just yeah. scored his nice goal thanks to Jenner. Anyway, Palmieri's 14th, second of the game. Pajot with the assist at the 14-14 mark. The Bulls now in front, 3-2. to two.
2: And again... You know, the guy that you don't want the puck on his stick during this series and the puck ends up on his stick. And, um, you know, again, Palmieri, I mean, we've talked about him a lot. And, you know, he was a guy that was absolutely massive for Belleville, uh, you know, after the trade. And, uh, you know, a guy who really came through in, in the playoffs for them and was, you know, was a, obviously a huge reason for uh, for their success in the series to this point. And, um, you know, again, it was like he was almost willing them to, you know to force that seventh game, uh, that that seventh game in Belleville.
1: Conscious boy, Camson has a chance, but it's kicked away by McCollum, much to his chagrin. Um, you know what to do there. You have Thomas McCollum, wings prospect, your boy Brian Cameron.
2: Right, like that was that might have been the toughest series I ever covered, <laughs> to be totally honest.
1: Uh, then Duchesne makes this ridiculous play. He's pinned by Lalonde. Donnie LaLonde, up against the boards. (laughs) He makes this ridiculous no-look pass, just off one stick to Tansky, who just misses high glove. Then a couple seconds or minutes later, Stajan finds Dale all alone in front, but he just hips it wide. That ends the period. 3-2 Belleville, shots were 11-9 Bulls, 24-18 overall. But Brampton starting to find some life again at the end of the period, especially those two chances late.
2: Yeah, you know that was uh, that was a Brampton team that uh, you know they were able to kind of bottle back and even though they had given up uh, they had given up the stretch of three goals there it was uh, you know they were a group that um, you know they were talented enough they were you know they go out and make those deals for guys like you know Peluso and Kang and these guys to you know this is what you bring those guys in for is, is situations like this to you know keep yourself in games and give yourself a chance to win and uh, you know again that's exactly what this Brampton team did uh you know the whole series and especially coming off the uh you know the game the night before that's you know those are tough games when you go that double overtime in a playoff game that's you know it's tough to come back the next night and with a little bit of travel even though it's only uh it's only a couple hours it's still uh you know it's still tough so you know both teams had to struggle with it and you know, again, credit to Brampton for uh, you know for making the most of it and you know getting through and getting to a point where you're keeping yourself in a game and you know making sure that you're you're in a, still in a position to win even though you had given up that stretch of three goals.
1: Now, originally we were supposed to get an interview with assistant captain for the Battalion Brad Albert in the second intermission. We got something better, Brad. Let's hear right now from
2: Wolteg Wolski. Native son returns. Ladies and gentlemen, we got Wojtek Volsky here in the studio. Wojtek, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, first of all, welcome back. Uh, we were talking a little bit. This is your first time back. How does it feel? It feels good. It's uh, it's nice to see that uh, Brampton's doing so well this year, and, and it's uh, nice to see that the building's full.
3: Do you do you watch it online? Do you keep up to
2: date with uh, with your old junior club team a little bit? Uh, of late, I have. been. once you know, once
1: I saw that they're doing pretty well. And uh, even when we were in Vancouver, I remember watching a game. It was. Uh, you know, all across
0: Canada, so I got to pick it up. But, you know, I've been checking in here and there. Not not much hype uh, around this team since 05-06 uh, when you left and uh, that uh, that
2: amazing run you guys went on. Uh, you know, they broke your uh, winning streak. Did you know that?
1: I didn't know that, but
2: uh, it's good to see they're, they're breaking records. Hopefully they don't break any of mine, but... Uh, um, I'm happy for them. Yeah, your club, uh, your, your streak, remember the 14 games at the end? Well, they they, they rattled off 16 in a row just to, just, to, just to let you know. But anyway, just to keep you up to date. But obviously, uh, you know, you're checking out the game. What uh, what are your thoughts so far uh, in, in this one? So it Seems to be a good one. Yeah, they're playing really well. Um, I, I think, you know, they got to capitalize on those power plays, and, and they've uh, obviously taken some penalties that they maybe shouldn't have. But um, I think they're going to have a good third, and, and then they'll probably uh, end up winning. Wolski
1: thinks the battalion are going to come back, Brad. Could he be a profit? We'll find out here in the next 20 minutes. Ooh, watch tech. <laughs> also, we get some talk about the CHL Awards that have just been handed out. Chris Terry, who is from Brampton, named Humanitarian yep. of the Year. Some kid by the name of Ryan Ellis, or as I like to call him at this point, Rean Eels, named Defenseman of the Year. He was okay, I guess.
2: Yeah, there was... Uh, <laughs> it, it, that, was that was a good stretch of, you know... Like that that season, there was a ton of high end talent in the league. Like whether it was draft eligible or you know guys that aren't even drafted, there was a lot of high end guys. I mean, there is every year, but you know that little stretch there, the league was it uh, was a lot of fun to watch just because of the high end guys.
1: give me I'm gonna look up here for as we're talking about the defenseman because they mentioned that too. It's like well, PK had a really good year, but listen, <laughs> Ryan Ellis had a really good year. And like. Windsor has a lot of... Oh, another thing I found interesting. You're talking about the goaltending. Like, that could be the situ- situation that decides the, the series. It's better a goaltending than a Windsor. Andrew English. come on now. Just because <laughs> Mike Murphy and Thomas McCollum are in this series. What have they ever done? Uh,
2: they never did anything.
1: All right. So, top scoring defense in that year. Ellison, 89 points. John Carlson and P.K. Soon of 76 points. I'm going to butcher this. Rob Quitt had 67 points for Windsor. Oh, then you had 64 points for Cameron Gaunt, 63 points for Del Zotto, Kevin DeHaan 63 points. And then you have also 50 points, Mark Kadic, LeLon, and TJ Brody. Not bad.
2: Yeah, some would say that was a decent uh, decent group of defensemen.
1: Hakeem Lewis is listed as a defenseman here on Elite Prospects. I think that's an error.
2: But anyway. I think that might be wrong, guys. <laughs> wow,
1: I missed this. <laughs> Anyway, third period. Brampton comes out once again. Uh, Dale finds Hodgson 18 seconds in, but it goes wide. Duchesne has a couple of chances. Tanaka's call for cross-checking 52 seconds in the period. He shoves Thorne into Murphy because they were expecting this to be, uh, the Booth was expecting this to maybe be goaltender interference. And you see behind that Tanaka just basically just shoves him in there. Anyways, Battalion are on the power play here to do this. Josh Day to Cody Hodgson.
0: Hodgson hangs onto it. Back up top. Tansky couldn't get the shot away. Rebound, King. Duchesne scores! Matt Duchesne tying the game on the power
3: play. It's second goal of the game. It's 3-3. You talked about how important it was here, Doug, in the opening five minutes of the third for the battalion to come out with a response after a very 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 lackluster second period and they get their second power play goal of the night something that's been hurting all over the place and mike murphy just simply got caught out of position there i think he got thrown off a bit really on the tansky whiff he kind of fanned on it murphy moved over in that direction puck ends up working his way back to matt duchene and really he had an open side there to put it by mike murphy but matt duchene you talk about having a hot stick for the battalion his 12th of the playoffs matt duchene Gets the battalion back on even terms. Huge, huge goal in the third, and the
1: crowd back into this one. Tansky fans on the shot, and then Desch- puck ends up on who's all alone in the slot. Murphy's already committed to the one side net, so he can't come across in time at all. Deshane's 12 for the playoffs, second of the night. Assist by Kang and Tansky. 203 mark. We're all tied up again.
2: Yeah, and that was, uh, you know, like you said, that's a tough spot for for Mike Murphy. I mean, just the way that play ends up uh, playing out, so to speak, Um, you know, Terrible situation for a goaltender, just the way it the way it ends up, and um, you know a tough position. And it starts, uh, you know, what turns into another really good final twenty minutes for uh, for Brampton here, and, and starts a, a really good stretch of you know pretty much seven and a half or eight minutes um, for Brampton to get themselves um, into a real good position in the second half of the uh, of the third. Well.
1: 40 seconds or so after that goal, Kang is called for hooking. My notes say, my goodness, why is that a penalty?
2: Yeah, again, that <laughs> was another one where everyone questioned it and you were like, sure, yeah, um,
1: okay, yeah, I guess that was a penalty. We'll go with that. It's been a while since I've seen some good OHL reffing, let me tell you. <laughs> you can good however you want here. Cody Hodge, with two great short-handed hands here, stops and then just shoots it wide. Italian kill off the penalty. A couple minutes later, this.
0: 5 minutes and 32 seconds of this third period of play for the battalion. That's been the difference. It's 25-25 on the Royal page shot clock. On the far side, pass through the middle. Mackey lets it go. McCollum out of his net to play and he got caught. Peluso comes back to help out. Albert. Cameron has lost his stick. Peluso on the near side. Puck knocked away from him. Albert steps up, but... Erickson has to retreat and pick it up for the battalion. Johnston watching him. Erickson looking for the long pass, tried to force it through traffic. Tip-off got a piece of that and it goes all the way down the ice. Italian making a complete line change. Almost broken up at center and that pass was intended for Cody Hodgson who was behind the two defenders. Palmieri works it over and Dale comes over to get a piece of Nick Palmieri. Josh Day behind the net for Matt Clark. Clark through the middle. Cody Hodgson with the attack with Luke Pether. Jace, uh, Jason Dale along the board. Knocked away from him by Mercanton. Hodgson follows up. Gradchev oh. tweaks oh. it up. They score. Cody Hodgson and
1: the battalion have the lead 4 3. Gradchev finds Hodgson alone, alone in front. Hodgson's eighth of the playoffs from Gradchev and Dale. 649 mark. Battalion back in front, 4 3.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about the uh, we talked about the power play for uh, for Brampton in this one. Uh, you know, obviously Duchene had a couple of power play goals, but um, you you talk about the penalty kill for uh, for Brampton uh, in this one as well. And you know, this is a Belleville team that their their power play was real high end. So for them to, you know, they end up killing off four or five Belleville power plays in the game, and um, you know. Uh, that's huge, um, and especially at this point when you know it's it's a three three hockey game, you kill off a penalty, and obviously that gives the bench a boost. And uh, you know Cody Hodgson was was real good in the playoffs, and you know maybe at some point he gets. I don't want to necessarily say overshadowed by you know whether it's Duchesne or Grachev, but um, you know maybe he doesn't quite get as noticed even though he was their top line uh are on their top line but C H L Player of the Year. Yeah, like he was absolutely massive in this series, but like, you know, people people look at it to that point where, you know, after this game I think Duchesne had thirteen goals and um Gratchev had eleven. So, you know, Hodgson was kind of third on that list as far as goal scoring. So for him to come through uh, you know, for him to come through obviously with a real important goal at that point in the hockey game was absolutely massive for them.
1: You mentioned Matt Duchesne. A few seconds after that goal, he does this. And how many times, partner, have we talked about not
0: letting your foot off the gas, though? No question about it. And the battalion's fortunate to get it revved back up again here in the third. Thornton puts it in the corner. I mean, don't take your foot off the gas for the last 12 minutes. Duchesne out of the corner. Sharp angle shot. They score! Matt Dushane with the hat trick. The battalion lead by 2-5-3. What a play by Dushane coming
3: out of the corner. And what a turn of events. And Matt Dushane absolutely you talk about putting the pedal to the metal, Doug. Matt Dushane bringing it tonight. The hat trick, and we see some hats flow down here in the ice at the power eight center of the battalion three unanswered here in the first seven and a half minutes. 7.26, if you want to get real specific with it, to make it a 5-3 hockey game. And while the hats come down, you see the Bulls hanging their heads a little bit. They're going to want to regroup this veteran squad, but what an absolutely gorgeous effort from Matt Duchesne. Doug, you said it. And he ends up being able to squeak that pass and a 30-second shot through uh, through Mike Murphy. (sighs) I don't know what
1: to say. There's stuff I can say, but it's not family friendly. Comes out of the corner, just snipes it by Murphy. Thirteenth of the playoffs, third of the game, hat trick at seven twenty-six. Hats are flying. George Burnett calls a timeout. Obviously, it's a good time to call Uh one. It's five-three Brampton.
2: Yeah, and that you know that ends that seven and a half to eight-minute stretch. Um, You know, for Brampton, that a puts them right back in the game and. Um, you know, pretty much at that point for, you know, about two minutes, sucked the wind right out of the uh, out of the sails for Belleville.
1: The thing I thought back on, right around this time, we were talking about the draft that year, and obviously our buddy Jordan now is an Islanders fan, so they went to the lottery, there. he's like, oh, he's going to get Tavares. Obviously, Headman was available that day. we you're like, man, I I take the shade over to those guys. Watching this game now, I'm like... Brad's got a point. <laughs> Have you yeah. seen how ridiculous Duchesne was in this game?
2: Yeah, that was, you know, what that was one of those things, and I think it was, you know, you see a guy a ton, and obviously with Brampton and Belleville being in the same conference, I got to see a little bit more of them, and, you know, especially with the two-hour uh, two trip, I saw a handful of Brampton games during the regular season that year as well, and he was an absolute ton of fun to watch. You know, and again, we saw it in this game, and I think these, you know, it was games like these that are a coming out party for, you know, for a draft-eligible kid, and, you know, when you talked about the wojtek Volsky interview between periods and, you know, talking about how, you know, how good Duchesne was, and, you know, they joked about, oh, you know, how great would it be to play with, you know, to have him, you know, playing in Colorado where Volsky was playing at that time, and, you know, again... He, uh, he, sh- this was the, this was a playoff run where he really showed just how high-end he is.
1: The, um, battalion also going to have another chance here shortly after that goal. Mark Kent turns it over, ends up on the stick of Cody Hodgson, but he either shoots it wide or Murphy gets a piece of it. I'm not
0: 100% sure. Anyway,
1: Bulls come back the other way. This happens.
0: Fired wide. Bouncing putt. Machiner keeps it in, gets the return pass out in front. Backhand, he scores! It's 5-4, Brandon Mashiner
1: with a huge goal for the Belleville Bulls. Really nice given goal, given go play between Mashinter and Luke Judson. Mashinter gets the pass back from Judder, off the skate, goes back to his the stick, and this goes backhand or top shelf glove side. You know, just a casual goal. The playoff game.
2: Well, and that's and that's just it, right? That's you know those are the moments as you bring a guy like him in for. I mean, you know, obviously he was, you know, we mentioned earlier he was part of that Kitchener team the year before, and um, you bring in that experience for moments like this where you know you're down a couple, you need a goal, um, you know, and obviously you know you look at those guys. It's uh, you know again a veteran guy that gets you uh, that gets you that goal and. Um, you know, even you know, even Luke Judson is a younger guy had a you know and it had an important night for them. Uh, you know, in this one with a couple of assists and that uh, you know that pair. I mean, Judson's in on on you know both Michinter goals. So um, you know, and a guy that didn't get talked about a lot either was Corey Tanaka, who was basically running against Duchene and Hodgson a lot of the night and. You know, talk about a talk about a tough task. It's like which guy am I, you know, am I going against the 13 goal guy in Duchesne at this point, or the nine goal guy in Hodgson at this point? So, you know, he had a tough one too. But you know, credit to credit to Maschinger. I mean, that was a guy who was brought in for for these moments, and he came through at an important time to get Belleville back in the game.
1: We mentioned part of the goal square. So eighth, second of the night from Judson, and Sean Beauchamp Lalonde at the 9:21 <laughs> mark of the period. Luke Pithers call for a high stick on Duchesne, eleven sixteen. 16 Dak gets killed off. And then a wild Warren Reichel appears out of nowhere, being interviewed by Girdeep Alwali, who's trying to get, like, billboard material or bulletin board material all through this interview. I'm like, what is happening?
2: <laughs> yeah, there were, uh, yeah, he, he didn't back down with the questions. And... And you know Warren Reichel's not a small guy, and he's not a weak guy by any stretch of the imagination. I've interviewed him; he's not a guy I want to piss off during an interview. And not saying that, that Gardeep was, but um, yeah, he was definitely. Oh, who do you want to face? And uh the Greyhounds. questions like yeah, and that's where that's where if you're Warren Reichel, maybe you throw in a curveball and just be like, no, you don't want to, don't want to play.
1: we forfeit. Yeah, yeah, like,
2: pull out the Cam Jansen kind of just random answer to, look to a couple of those questions. It throws the interview off, and it's pretty entertaining for everyone else.
1: <laughs> Who do you want to play? North Bay. <laughs> uh. Anyway. Oh, look, the Habs are on the power play here. This could go perfectly for a laughing ear sweepstakes. This is going to age terribly when he ends up in Edmonton in three weeks. Anyway. <laughs> Anywho, uh so we'll get back going after a right interview Tansky if this really nice no look backhand to Gratchit but it's stopped by Mike Murphy with 438 left then Gautsch gets really excited it's a 2 on 1 rush of 152 to go with Brian Cameron and Luke Pither Cameron takes the shot and doesn't feed it to Pither and it's saved by McCollum
2: yeah talk, but again talk about two guys that you want in that situation right it's you know if you're gonna have any two guys on the Belleville roster going in in that situation and you had a choice those are two of probably out of the forward group themselves those are two out of probably the four guys that you want going in in that situation
1: you thought they're interested the podcast was long had they had scored this would be a 20-minute analysis from brad on that play <laughs> look at cams look at pither <laughs> anyway murphy leaves the net around 90 seconds to go bulls are trying to get the equalizer
0: that brings tanaka on the ice Bulls doing everything they can to tie this game up and send the series back to Belleville. Out in front, Gronchev picks it up. Kansky tied up in his mat. Gronchev brings it to center. Wheels it past. Gronchev's got the open net. Can he slide the puck in? He certainly can. Six to four, battalion lead in A buck six left in the third period of play. What a
3: head of steam by the Russian duck. He got that puck, and it was not going to be denied as he scooped the puck down the boards, went straight through the battalion defender. And from, I thought at first the angle was a little too sharp for Gratchev to get it in, but a great shot. Sharp angle, a over a minute to go. The crowd here at the Power 8 Center rocking as we see it right there, How many times have we seen that this season when he just bullies his way through defender? And he didn't just slide it in no, no. he went an exclamation
1: one. Gratchev gets the pucks after battle in front of the net, rushes down the ice, beats a couple of guys, scores for the empty netter, his 11th of the playoffs, 1854 mark of the third period. Brampton now in front six to four.
2: Yeah, again, a guy who was obviously really important for Brampton in the series and throughout the playoffs. And, you know, again, he gets, uh, you know, an extremely important goal here.
1: Murphy gets pulled again as Brampton is trying to keep that lead going, trying to, Extend a little bit. Belleville trying to get back into it. Clock's winding down. Fans are going nuts. This happens. First
3: time in their 11-year history of a team. It made it past the second round of the playoffs. Well, this time, they're going all the way to the OHL Final. Listen to this crowd, ducks. Exclamation point on the captain's season of double exclamation point! A little gravy from the captain, Cody Hodgson. Second of the of the night for Hodgson, second of this period. And the Battalion seven to
1: four. duck. Hodgson strikes again. His ninth of the playoffs, second of the game. Assist to Ken Paraf on the play with three seconds to go. That's it. Battalion wins seven four. Final shots thirty two to thirty. Fourth Battalion, 14-6 in the third. Brad Pores went out for his Belleville Bulls.
2: One <laughs> um, of seven, one of seven points for Ken Paroff in the playoffs that year as well.
1: Ooh, good North Bay content right there. Let me tell you. Yep. Um, that wraps things up. David Branch comes out. <laughs> the Battalion gets the Bobby Ward Trophy. They're off to the league final. Um, then we have, of course, all the post-game stuff because. As you see in the conference, and the only in the conference finals and the league final. The only news in the Western Hockey League for the final itself, they have the media availability. You watched that. Was we've talked a lot about some of the stuff already, but was there anything else of note that stood out from those post game interviews that we haven't touched on yet?
2: No, I mean you know it just uh, I, again, George talked about uh, you know just the uh, you know how important some of the OA guy, how important the OAA guys were. You know, a guy who. Didn't necessarily get a ton of ton of coverage, uh, you know. A guy like Nick Paggio, who was really good for them, uh, you know, as an overage year. Had missed some time uh, the previous years, so you know he was obviously huge for them. Um, you know, Machinter coming in. He talked about Corey Tanaka a little bit, I believe, as well. Um, you know, again, uh, you know, uh, Corey Tanaka. He was a guy who, and we talked about it already, was a guy who you know, saw a lot more ice time in, in game six because of the interview to Tang Grady and, um, you know, a guy who there were points early on in the game where he was taking faceoffs against the Hodgson line and the Duchesne line, you know, who were basically the top two centers, um, you know, on that Brampton team. So obviously a real important piece for them. And, um, you know, on the other side, again, uh, you know, Stan Butler talked about the idea that, you uh, You know, just how tough it is to get to an OHL final. Um, You know, that was a team that uh, hadn't really had any playoff success. In Brampton, and you know, for them to get to a league final, um, you know, even though they end up, uh, you know, even though they end up facing a, you know, a super good team in Windsor, um, you know, that was a big step for them. Um, And it was good to see having covered games in Brampton and been to the rink. It was nice to see in that series the crowds were really good. It was the building. They talked about it in the broadcast and even in a couple of the games I was at uh, in Brampton, the crowds were great. Uh, It was really. About
1: 4,000 in there for the game six at least, or close to it.
2: Yeah, so I mean, it was you know it was a situation where you know they had really good crowds in that series, and I believe they were really good in the league final as well. Um, you know, so that was that was really nice to see. Um, like looking at the attendance for this one, at thirty six hundred, which is you know for how they had struggled at times to draw to draw fans, that was massive for them. So um, you know it was nice to see. And like I said, Stan Butler talked a lot about uh, you know just how tough it is to get there and What it meant for the organization to, uh, you know, to get into a league final, and um, you know just how nice it was to be able to uh, to put themselves in that point. It was um, to get to the league final. Obviously, they get off to a real tough start in game one. <laughs> More on that in a second. <laughs> uh, but other than like other than that game, every other game was relatively close. Um, so that was. Uh, That was pretty big for them. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was a a great series between the two best teams in the Eastern Conference.
1: Final stats from the game. Palmieri and Machinter with two goals for the Bulls. Judson with two assists. Murphy, 25 saves on 30 shots. For the Battalion, Hushane with the hat trick. His only playoff hat trick in his OHL career. Spoilers. He's going to be leaving after this playoff run. Uh, His fourth total in his OHL career. He had one in the regular season. This past in the 0809 campaign. Also had two helpers in that game. A 6-2 win over the Sudbury Wolves in January 8th. Also had two in his rookie season. Hodgson have two goals and an assist. Dale and Gratchev have a goal and an assist. And McCollum, 26-8 and 30 shots. So the Battalion rocks in the league final. What happens? Well, Koch alluded to it already. Game 1, they get outshot <laughs> 18-1 in the 3rd and lose 10-1 in Windsor. Well, fun yeah, fact. That'll, for, that'll do it. Fun fact for Brad, only playoff hat-trick in OHL career for Justin Shug. In that
2: game, who, who, as I look at the uh, game sheet on the OHL website for for that game, Justin Shug first star of the game, and his pe- his profile picture for that first star of the game is him in a Mississauga jersey.
1: Uh, future guest, future appearance for if we do the 2011 Owen Sound Mississauga game. <laughs> uh, Shug had five career regular season hat-tricks in his OHL career, including one that season, three goals and two assists, and a 12-1 romp over the Sioux Greyhounds on November 23rd. Well, <laughs> Windsor was good that year. Hounds, not so good. Game two was in Brampton. 5-3 win for Windsor. Hall and Yanov a goal and an assist in that one. Brampton then wins in Windsor at the Wafku, which they had just moved into that season, if I recall. Um... A 4-2 win there on the road in that game, dealing away with Jason Dale of a goal and a, uh, two assists. Game four back in Brampton. Windsor wins that one four to one. Lock with two goals. Andrew Englidge of 40 saves. English strong again in game five in Windsor. 37 saves. Taylor Hall, goal and assist, including the overtime winner. Windsor wins two to one. Their first OHL championship since 1988. They then would go on to win the Memorial Cup after starting off 0-2. They win that yep. tournament for two straight years. Hudson, Hall, and Ellis all ended up that playoffs with twenty-seven points. Hall was named MVP.
2: Yeah, well deserved. I mean, he, <laughs> he was kind of good. <laughs> that yeah, and, and, and you know what? I mean, that was uh, that was an interesting team because it's uh, you know you look at that group as a whole. Like their blue line was real solid with uh, with Rob Quitt, uh, Jesse Blocker, Ellis, uh, Ben. Yeah, Ellis Ben Shutron. Uh, Mark Kondari and Harry Young were, were real good. Then you look at the forward group. I mean, Eric <laughs> Wellwood's a coach right now, and um, Scott Timmins was on that team. He had a ton of playoff experience over the years. Um,
1: Paul, Lotsyanov.
2: Yep. Henrik was
1: on that team, right?
2: I believe he was. Yes, he was. Um, you know, so that was, uh, you know, and Shug and Austin Watson, I believe, was out. That might have been his second year
1: yeah because he was traded the next year for Cassian, if I recall
2: yeah so I mean that was a you know that was a real good real good Windsor group and um you know I've I've talked about it watching when they came into Belleville um you know that was you know probably in the three years I was there that Windsor Belleville game was one of the best games I had seen um all year it was uh you know it was a lot of fun to watch and getting to watch that Windsor group play on the Olympic sheet at the Yardman <laughs> Arena was so much fun uh, you know especially with Belleville because the Bulls like you know George Burnett built the team around that Olympic sheet because you know you know you're playing 34 games a year on that uh on that in that building you know take advantage of it and you know that was a that was a Belleville team that was super good at home um you know, and they were they were good on the road, and I mean, again, that was the difference in the series was the fact that you know Brampton stole a game and um, stole a game in Belleville, and you know that was a Brampton team that you know on a thirty you know thirty odd home games they were twenty nine four zero and one, so um, you know 34, 34 home games they only lost. You know they only lost at home five, essentially five times, foreign regulation. And you know even in the even in the playoffs, they had only t- you know going into the OHL final, I believe they had only lost one playoff game at home. So um, you know that was a uh, that was a good Brampton team. Uh, you know, and aside from aside from game one against Windsor um, in the league final, that was a uh, that was a team that you know got to a well-deserved league final. And um, you know again. I, I'm sure if you ask anybody from Windsor in that group, they'd say that even aside from the opening game in that series, that was a that was a tough series to play.
1: So let's look ahead to what happens to these teams. With the Battalion, they lose quite a fair chunk of guys. Grachev goes pro with the Rangers. Duchesne gets picked third overall, ends up with Colorado. Dale ends up in the ECHL of Utah and Bakersfield. Kang ends up in the ECHL of Las Vegas and Johnstown Chiefs,
2: baby. Yep. Clark goes. Owns in- the Chiefs.
1: Owns, owns.
2: Good old slouch, I'll reference.
1: I'll get one in today. I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Clark, <Thanks. laughs> we mentioned, goes to Anaheim. Pelusa <laughs> to St. Louis. Day ends up at St. FX. Erickson goes back to Sweden, plays for IF Bjorkloven. Or Bjorkloven, I'm not sure exactly how you say it. It's something silent in there, I'm sure. <laughs> Gorsak ends up in the or Tigers in the OJHL. McCollum turns pro with the Wings. Their only real trade of anybody from that group was Merritt to Ottawa, an offseason trade for a 7th in 2010, which ends up being Emerson Verrier. Uh, the battalion edged out Kingston in seven games in 2010 and lost to Barry, a damn good Barry team, in 09-10. More yep. than that, that, Barry team got in a minute for Brad. Um, that season, Hodgson had a back injury and missed almost the entire year. He had 20 points in 13 regular season games, 10 points in 11 games. They would then lose to Niagara in the twenty twelve quarters. Their last real run in Brampton. They would move to North Bay after 2013, 2012-13 season.
2: Yeah, that was um, you know that was a group that. Uh, you know, again, it, it's tough when you go on a run like that. It's it, it's not always easy to to battle back and have a you know have a good year. Um, you know, Belleville was lucky that you know that three year stretch they were able to you know they were able to add and they were able to keep themselves in a position for three years to you know to have some solid teams, and then we saw a drop off uh, a drop off for them the following year after uh, after losing to Brampton as well.
1: Along those lines, let's go through that. Eric Grady goes to the Penguin system. Suban ends up in Montreal. Tanaka goes to St. Mary's University. Michael to San Jose system. Palmieri to New Jersey system. Pajot to St. FX. Delic ends up at Queens. Robert Stella Cameo. There he is making an appearance. Yep. Murphy <laughs> Murphy ends up in Carolina. And then we have some trays. There's a lot that goes through here. Pithers dealt in the summer to Barry. Uh, in that deal, the Bulls get back their second in 2012 and 13, which are used for Daniel D'Souza and Jake Bricknell, and Plymouth third in 2011, which ends up in Starnia and becomes Davis Brown. Right around the start of the season, Brian Cameron ends up in Barry, going back the other way, Adam Payroll. Yep. Belleville's second in 2011, which ends up in Peterborough, becomes Stephen Nosad. Barry third in 2010, the Colts keep the pick to take Josh McDonald, and eighth in 2011, which is Victor Muller. Mid season. Uh, Matt Tipoff has traded to Kitchener a first round pick in the 2010 import draft. Remember, when you get to trade import draft picks, Brad? Oh, it was great. <laughs> Tobias Reader <laughs> ended up being that pick, so maybe they shouldn't have traded that pick. Yeah. <laughs> in that deal, going the other way, Alex already and a fifth in 2011, Brad. Let's remember some former NOGHL or Saginaw Spirit, Roman Ramon, bleh, Roman Lopez.
2: Oh, that's a name I haven't heard in um, a while, probably since the last time <laughs> I heard it.
1: Um, two trades at the deadline. Alcock goes to Oshawa. Uh, Cody Alcock is the deadline deal for 5th in 2012, which ends up being Nick Corrick. And then the big one. Steven Johnson, Mark Canton, and Philip Grubauer in a 15th round pick in 2013, which the Bulls kept and used to take William Ward, go to Windsor at the deadline for Richard Panic, Paul Bezo, Austin Broussard, Owen Sounds third in 2010, which ends up being Daniel Altschuler, who never reports to the Bulls, is later dealt to Oshawa, plays for Jennings. Right. A second in 2012, which ends up in Guelph becomes Kyle Locke. Winds are 7th in 2012 which ends up in Kitchener becoming Ty Learn and 15th in 2011 and 13. The 11th pick goes to Plymouth somehow ends up being Matt Miller and a 13th goes to Kingston and ends up being Cameron McConnell. The Bulls missed the playoffs in 2010 their last real run before moving to Hamilton was in 2013 winning the East Conference in the regular season but losing to the Barry Colts in seven games the Bulls would end up moving to Hamilton in 2015.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know what? It was a, uh, you know, again, a great run, and um, you know, again, I've touched on the the three year stretch for that group, and um, you know, it was it was good to see. And you mentioned the the, the Cameron and Pither deals to, you know, to Barry. That uh, that Barry team was absolutely wild that following year. Um, you know, Alex Burmistrov was on that team. Kyle Clifford was on that team. Patangelo um, ends up
1: there after World yeah. Juniors.
2: Yeah, um, Stephen Delarover was was with that group. Um, you know that was um, that was quite the group. Um, you know they again Ryan O'Connor was on that team and in a roundabout way it was tied to the Jack Campbell trade between <laughs> Windsor and the Sioux as well. How
1: long do you want a, this show to be?
2: <laughs> yeah, because of a pick that was traded between Windsor and the Greyhounds that ended up getting traded to Barry like six days later, or by Barry six days later, and. It's it's another day and another show that you know is probably going to last us about six hours. So, but yeah, a great great Barry team, and um, you know again it was unfortunate that things kind of went south for uh, for the Bulls as far as um, their time in in Belleville. But I mean again the city city ends up putting a ton of min, a ton of money into the Yardman arena which is I believe CAA arena now and um, you know with the with the Belleville Senators and you know the facility look I haven't been down there myself but um, you know judging by the pictures the facility looks great and you know it's good that that uh, it's good that that city's got uh, got some hockey to, to support there that's uh, a lot of great people down in that area and you know, again, I enjoyed being around that team and covering that team for three years. And um, you know, this was a, this was a real good group. And you know, George and and you know, Jake Grimes did a did a great job with that group. And you know, on the other side, Stan Butler. I mean, again, it's you know, he's a guy he's been around you, Major Junior, forever, and uh, did a great job with that team. And they did a you know a real nice job putting uh, putting a good group together to get to the OHL final.
1: And then again, when they go to North Bay right after, too, two really good years in 14 and 15. Now, before we get to just start la- wrap up this game, thinking about this earlier, especially with, like, this Brampton team, but more so with that Belleville group, we've talked a lot about, I know G and I have, about teams that don't win OHL titles, and maybe what are some of the best that never won. we talked about that Barry team, the Mississauga teams. There's a couple of yeah. really good Greyhounds teams from this decade that didn't win the league championship. <laughs> you can go on down the list, even in other leagues, too, like the Dub, some of the Moose Jaw Regina teams, and that kind of thing. Where do you think this these Brampton, especially this Brampton team, especially more of the Belleville team kind of fits in with that group? Because I think you can make a case with some of these Belleville teams. And even that Brampton team, should be higher up there for those really good teams that didn't win anything.
2: Yeah, and, and you know what? I mean, I, I look at, um, you know, again, this Belleville group, the 8 09 group was really good. But, like, I look at the previous year. Um, the 7 08 you know, team? Yeah, which was probably the year was probably out of those three teams was probably I would say personally was probably the best out of those three teams. Um, You know, they make uh, they make a couple of deals during the year. you know, to add uh, to add some guys. Mike Murphy was was great. Parker Van Buskirk was their backup goaltender, and you know he was a great backup goaltender for them. Uh, Ed Pasquale was their third goalie that year.
1: Oh, doing um, Ed after... Pasquale's your third goalie.
2: Well, and that's the thing, right? Like he was, uh, you know, that was his that previous year. That was his rookie year. So the seven hundred eight year was his rookie year. Um, you know, and he ended up when they made. Uh, they made a deal and end up, Parker Van Buskirk ends up coming in to be the backup. Van Busker was an 88 birth year, so he was a 19-year-old, um, which basically left Pasquale as their backup, uh, or as their third, second backup, so to speak. Um, you know, their blue line, Mark Canton was a rookie on that group, but they bring in Nigel Williams from Sagan on a big deal, and he was great. Um Murcia, you know, mentioned... Yeah, Nick Paggio was real good in limited time due to injury. Mursak was, uh, you know, Mursak was outstanding. They picked up Keaton Turkowitz in a, in a deal that year, and he had a, you know, he had a good little stretch. And Adam Perry was an 80-point guy in that, you know, with that group after coming in. Um, and that's, you know, and we haven't even touched on the guys who were already there, and, you know, and Tang Grady and Cameron. And Matt Bolesky was, was a veteran on that team. He okay. was an 80. He was an he was a 19-year-old on that team. Sean Mathias was a 19-year-old on that team. Um, Corey Tanaka was a 19-year-old on that team. Like that was probably out of those three groups for me, that was probably the best team out of the three. And um, you know, again, they were one game away from winning an OHL title that year. Um, you know, and it would have been well deserved. That was, uh, you know, like I said, for me, I think that was probably the best team out of the uh, out of the three um, those three years that I was down there.
1: Stay tuned, like, in 20 episodes when Koch comes back on, I debate the 15-18 Greyhounds. You want to see a riot?
2: <laughs> Anywho. Yeah, some, some would say those teams were pretty decent, too.
1: Stupid sexy McJesus. Uh, when it comes to the 20, <laughs> to this 2009 Game 6 uh, of the Eastern Conference Final, though, Brad, a question I ask every guest after we each watch these games, do you think this is a game that's worth going back to revisit?
2: Uh, 100%. Um, you know, I, I look at... You know, just the talent level, I think, in the in this group was, you know, was well worth it. Um, you know, when you think of, you know, we've talked a lot about them already, but you talk about Hutch and you talk about Duchesne, you know, Grachev. And, you know, um, you know, you look at the other side where you've got, you know, a guy like Pither who was never drafted. Um, you know, ends up never signing by no the Flyers
1: problem. that next year when he goes off in Barry.
2: Right, and then, you know, a guy like Tang Grady, who unfortunately didn't dress in this game, but, um, you know, Murphy was outstanding in this game in goal. P.K. Subin, you know, was typical P.K. Subin in the game, and, you know, played real well, and, you know, Sean Lalonde was, was a lot of fun to watch. Like, that was, uh, you know, these were two real high-end clubs, and definitely... You know, I, I I would say the score wasn't indicative of how close this game really was. I mean, up until you know, basically up until the last 90 seconds, this was a one-goal hockey game. So, um, you know, definitely worth going back. It was you know, like I said, it was a lot of fun to it was a lot of fun to go back and watch a game for you know a game of two teams that I covered, uh, you know, and especially one in in Belleville that I covered pretty extensively. And you know, just bring back some memories of um, gonna sound old when I say this but bring back memories of the good old days Um, but yeah a lot of fun I mean it's always fun to go back and look at at games like this and you know, I think, you know, heck, 10 years from now, we could probably start looking at, you know, I'll look back at old Greyhound games from the last few years, and, you know, it'll be a lot of fun to watch as well, you know, watching guys like, you know, that 15 team with, you know, with Nurse and Richie and D'Angelo and Bailey and all those guys. Like, you know, it's fun to, it's fun to watch and see what these guys were like and, you know, remind yourself of what these guys were like in junior hockey.
1: Um. Now, if they ever post the '09 9 uh, London and... Windsor series, watch that first. Um, but when it comes <laughs> to, um, this is, for me, this was pretty cool to watch, just to see, like, again, prime Mike Murphy. Because, obviously, where I was going to school at that time, so I was in North Bay. And that's not really an OHL market, obviously, at that particular time. Yeah. That was, they had just getting the team, um, Nipissing's U Sports, he was just getting started, and obviously it was more energy HL, the Skyhawks at that point. But yeah, like Murphy is ridiculously fun to watch. Duchesne is absurdly good in this game, so it's cool to check that stuff out. But yeah, I definitely think it's worth checking out, especially see some of those guys. Like for me, Duchesne and Murphy were probably the two guys that really stood out the most for me in this game.
2: Yeah, no question about it. I mean, those were you know those were two high end guys in the league at that time, and definitely worth the price of the uh, worth the price of
1: admission, as they say. Well, Bradley, it's 3.56 left as I post this into this game, so I better leave before I start yelling when the Pens win and or lose because of reasons. Um, Anything else you want to mention here? We got everything covered, you think, when it comes to uh, this episode of the Let's Remember Some Sports Podcast?
2: You know what? I mean, I think we covered everything. I mean, it was leave it to us to cover as much as possible and throw out as many name drops, Robert Stelick, or Cody (laughs) Alcock, as we can. Um...
3: Yo, know, but definitely, like I said, worth, worth going back and
2: checking out. And it's always fun to, you know, even see where some of these guys are at and what they're, what they're doing these days.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, as, we've met, as we have as mentioned in the other episodes of the program, you can now download the show off iTunes. Uh, just search for uh, – I was at the Hockey Podcast. Brad's been on that show like so many times. It's all I have it. Just search for Let's Remember Some Sports on there. And then anchor.fm uh, to find the direct link to the show. That's also where you can find the episodes as soon as they get posted. They go on there. Anchor.fm/slash/Lucas-Punkari on there. I may add this to Spotify in the next few weeks. I haven't decided yet. We'll figure that out in due time. Anyways, thanks for listening once again,
0: and we'll talk again soon. I was here day one. I've been doing this team for eleven years, and I gotta tell you, the electric atmosphere in here and the way this team has played—we've said it since the beginning of the season. This is the most well-rounded hockey club the battalion of ever had from top to bottom, from number one on the roster to the last name on the list. They've played a stellar game coming back from a 3-2 deficit to win this one, and we'll move on to take on the Windsor Spitfires for the OHL Championship. Yeah, and
3: the Brampton Battalion have won the Eastern Conference. The Bobby Orr Trophy won the Brampton Battalion, Doug, and that series will start next <laughs> season. <laughs> the others running on to the ice with the in celebration that will start wednesday night in windsor duck but what an accomplishment for this team absolutely
0: tremendous a six-game series battalion take at four games to two we're going to take a break here on ohl prime time coming back with more as the battalion win the eastern conference